This is the St. Longinus' Baptism Podcast Channel, episode number 17. Why the spiritual life is important. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, All that I have and all that I do shall be consecrated to your service and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. All right. So, I'm kind of making up for lost time. I kind of slacked off over the past few days and... I'm uh one of one of my faults is, as a person is 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 that um sometimes I like to slack and um you know I'm trying I'm trying to do the work of God and uh, me personally I feel like if if I give my boss at work a hundred percent, I I owe God no less. So, um, I decided to do another episode, and basically, I just wanted to give my thoughts on why the spiritual life is so important. Um. Once again, I'm not going to assume that anyone has listened to my other podcasts, uh, pre- my, uh, my other previous podcasts. But basically, I believe this was in the introduction, if I'm not one of the introductory episodes. But basically, I said in the secular life, If you're the same person at 40 that you were at 20, you've got real issues, real maturity problems. Now, I may not have made this point because that's been many, many issues ago. Or, uh, I'm sorry, episodes ago. But the same... The same principle applies to the spiritual life. Basically, you can you can uh, take secular principles and apply them to the spiritual life, and it'll make sense. So. As I said before, if you're if you're the same person at 40 that you were at 20, you've got some issues maturity-wise. The same thing goes if you're if you're uh, a Catholic. If you're the same basically the same person, if you have not done a spiritual inventory of yourself, a serious one. And Let's just say you've been a Catholic for five years. 
And by the way, when I say Catholic, I'm talking, you know, true Catholic. I'm not talking about uh, the Vatican II uh, LARPers. Um, if you're the same, if you're the same person after five years of being in the true Catholic Church as you are when you joined, that's an issue. You know, um, because God does not expect you to stay the same. Now, when I say stay the same, obviously there's going to be some surface differences. At least hopefully. So say you, you were, you know, you were banging every chick at the bar, you know, Obviously, that's not going to happen. Well, like I said, if you're serious. Um, or if if you like to smoke weed, you know. The surface stuff, you know. The stuff that's obvious. But after five years of being a Catholic and... You're still thinking of things in secular terms. That's not spiritual maturity. And by the way, for anybody, you know, who wants to, you know, oh, he's, he's climbing on his soapbox again. Did these, these, these have been written, what I'm talking about has been written by doctors of the church, saints, and spiritual writers. God does not expect you to be, you know, and, and just to get it clear, the, 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 the superficial stuff, and when I say superficial, I mean they're, they're mortal sins, but I'm saying these are the blatant stuff. Okay, so let's just say in secular society, before you became Catholic, and somebody would say, hey, how you doing? F you, buddy. Get out of my face or I'll punch you. That's, that's surface level. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not making the claim that once you get baptized and confirmed, that all that stuff goes away. I'm just saying that's the obvious stuff. The stuff that even you can see is the, you know, that's, that's obvious. I'm talking about being brutally brutally honest with yourself, but also asking God to help you show you that the 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 sins that you are committing are still involved with and asking for help with those. Um to get back to what I was saying earlier, though, if you're still looking at the world through a secular viewpoint after five years of being a Catholic, as I said earlier, just like there are degrees of maturity in the secular world, there are also degrees of maturity um, in, in the spiritual life. 
Once again, boomer technical issues. Uh, I had forgotten to turn off my ringer and my notifications. And right in the middle of what I was talking about, I got a notification. I'm going to ask for your patience and your understanding that I'm a basic guy working with a basic app. So anyway, what I was talking about is, is that if, if basically after five, uh, there are different degrees. There are different degrees of spiritual maturity. There's just like there's different degrees of secular maturity. Everybody's an individual. Everybody hopefully should be progressing at their own rate. But the point is, is that you, sh- you should not be satisfied with your current spiritual state. Um, if you're, if you're doing stuff that you know as a Catholic, you shouldn't be doing. Instead of, you know, fluffing it off and saying, well, I'll just go to purgatory. I'll just go to purgatory. First of all, you need to understand purgatory is not your safety net. I mean, it is, it is, sorry, I misspoke. It is your safety net, but all the saints and all the uh, doctors of the church and the spiritual writers teach that you're not to aim for purgatory. And I have said this before, you're not to aim for purgatory. You're actually supposed to aim to be a saint. Now, don't get it twisted here, guys. Please, I'm begging you, don't get it twisted. Obviously, throughout the whole of Catholic history, the saints are less than 1% of the entire Catholic population of, you know, the Catholic Church. However, what, you know, let's make two points. The first point is God is not a lawyer. Okay, and another thing is, is that there's this divine providence. When I read about the saints, it sounds kind of like a lot of the saints were, to use a loaded term, predestinated to be saints. Okay, so... Obvious, when it comes to being a saint, I think that God does the choosing. But if he does the choosing, that doesn't excuse you from trying to be a saint. I'm just saying that, you know, God is going to thrust you into hell because you're not trying um, hard enough. You're just supposed to make the effort. And it's it's up to him to decide if you've made the hard enough effort enough. Okay. So that's, that's the first part that we are supposed to make the effort to be saints. We're not, you know, we're not supposed to, well, I'll just go to purgatory. That's not to be your aim. Not if you want to be a sincere Catholic who says that they love Jesus 
Christ and his blessed mother. You know, um, there are multiple quotes from the saints, more than I can list, where they say, um, you know, just do the best that you can. But part of that, part of living a more, to, to, to striving toward piety and devotion is I can't stress this enough. I cannot stress this enough. Is you basically, you have to view things through the lens of divine providence. Okay? Uh, in one of my earlier episodes, I listed the book Divine Providence. Um, I'm not the only one who's been suitably impressed by this book. As I've also stated, uh, Father Bernard Utley, who gave us uh, a, a series on the spiritual life for True Restoration Radio, also highly recommended. As a matter of fact, it was by listening to Father Bernard Utley that I started reading it. And I can't tell you. For some of you, depending on where you're at, you know, spiritually, it's going to be a tough read. It's going to be a tough read. And that's okay. Because God knows you intimately. He knows what you can deal with. And he's, he's got your life mapped out. Okay, but the reason I harp on this book is because it's made a big effect in my life. I mean, before I read this book, I, I suffered from scrupulosity like you would not believe. And I also suffered because I'm sure many of you from time to time have had the thought cross your mind that, well, what if I think I'm serving God, but it's a trick of the devil, and when I go for my judgment, the devil's going to be there and say, ah, trick you, trick you. You know, you're going to get damned, you're going to get damned. Maybe many of you haven't had this. I'm sure some of you have had that thought, though, because the devil does play on our doubts and our insecurities, and let's be honest, on our weaknesses and our faults. After I read that book, um, my outlook changed. It took some time. And quite frankly, I'm not there yet. I'm not even claiming to be there. To any of you who have listened to any of my other previous podcasts know, um, I'd be the first person to tell you I'm nowhere near where I need to be. I'd say my biggest fault is, is that um, not only do I need to love God better, I need to love my fellow human beings better.
And for those of you who have listened to the introductory podcast, I say as much. But basically, it gave me a chance to change my outlook and my attitude. And this is what I mean. By outlook, I have said on multiple occasions that I am a flawed human being trying to do my best for God as I are to do my best for God's will as I understand it. You know, and by the way, those of you who have listened to Father Utley, he says that's all God expects. And when he says this, he's actually quoting from spiritual writers. You know, St. Augustine, I believe, was the one who said, God will not ask the impossible for you. He just expects you to try. I'm paraphrasing. But that's basically what he says. And then another thing that changed about me, I told this to a friend of mine who's also a fellow set of a contest. And I said this, so I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about anything that he had said. I'm talking about what I had said was the fact that when I got out of the military, I felt adrift. I felt without a rudder. And even when I, when I came into Jesus and God as a Protestant, I, I really didn't have a sense a purpose. I mean, I knew I had a higher goal, but I I didn't feel comfortable basically until I made the decision last summer that I was going to be a set uh well actually it was last winter I decided to become a uh, to try to be set of a contest and then um this or last summer, I decided to get serious about it. It was when I decided to get serious about it, I actually feel like I've got a purpose now. And I feel, and by the way, it is a thing with us moderns that we use the word feel when we should use the word think. For that last part I said, just substitute feel for think. Um, I think that I found purpose. I, I, I think I found a calling. Now it's up to me to do the best I can with what I've been given. And let God do the rest. And that's basically the long and the short of divine providence. Basically, you do the best with what you have, with what you've been given, and you let God do the rest. Now, having said that, some some of you uh, amateur theologians out there might say, well, that's quietism. That's quietism. 
There's a huge difference between the Catholic spiritual life and quietism. Quietism is the heresy that basically you sit on your duff. And if you feel like watching porn and doing what you do, you do it. And if you feel like going to a bar and going get a chick, you do it. If you feel like cursing up a storm in front, you know, whatever, you do it. You know, you don't do nothing, basically. You know, um, I, I think there's a, a, a part of a pietism that says that you don't even pray because God already knows your prayers. So you don't even pray. You don't need to do that. You just lead your life as you normally would. God's got it covered. And by the way, that kind of attitude is actually an offshoot of Calvin's predestination. For those of you who don't know, Calvin, Calvin's theology teaches that we are doubly predestinated. And what they mean by that is, is God, when he created humans, he decided before he created who would go to heaven and who would go to hell. Before, before they were even born. Um, I think I've mentioned predestination in passing. I believe I did mention about doing an episode on this particular horrendous heresy. Uh, I think I might try that in the future as soon as I can. But anyway... Quietism, you know, like all things Protestant, because basically quietism is a Protestant heresy. Uh, both Luther and Calvin taught uh, double predestination. So it's a Protestant heresy. If you're truly within the Catholic spiritual realm, you know, you let God... You know, he's the author of divine providence. You let him do what he does, but that doesn't keep you from prayers, devotions, uh, sacramentals, whatever. Okay, so, um, you know, you're actually, excuse me, I'm sorry, guys. Um, you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing. You just don't worry about the outcome. You're basically putting yourself in God's hands, literally, which is, if you read the Gospels, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to completely and utterly trust him. And for those of you who doubt, when Jesus did the, talked about the children, like anything scriptural, it breaks down into two parts. The literal, actual children, and your attitude toward God. Now, for those of you who are parents, um, you know already that your kid has complete and utter confidence in you. Um, if you. If you tell them something, you know, if, if they're of a certain age... They're, they're going to take your word implicitly, and when they're with you, they're not worried. You know, you could be driving in the middle of a snowstorm at 2 o'clock in the morning, 
on a mountain pass in a in a in the woods, and your kids in the back sleep sound asleep. That's your attitude that you should have with God on the second part, which is on the metaphorical level. That when it comes to God, and there's a whole section in Matthew where he talks about this. Uh, I'm sorry, St. Matthew, where he talks about this. Basically, when he talks about those of you who are evil know enough that you're not going to give your kid a snake or a scorpion or a stone for him to eat. You're going to give him good food. And he says, well, how much more is your heavenly father, who is good, going to make sure that, you know, that you're okay? Now, don't get it twisted. Catholic spiritual teachings also teach that our life is going to have bumps and bruises, trials or tribulations, if you will. And... If you don't have the spiritual mindset, you're going to get upset and think that you're being punished. Now, we as moderns, and this is a heresy from the Protestant sect who picked it up from the Jewish, the old Jewish religion. The old Jewish, the old Jews used, uh, Maybe they still do believe this. Basically, if you were wealthy, you had a great family, uh, great job, beautiful wife, and what God was blessing you. And Father Utley, in his series, takes a, takes a crack at it and says, this is the reason why God allowed them to do that was because the Jesus hadn't come yet and they weren't spiritually ready for the truth. And the truth of the matter is, is that even though trials and tribulations are going to come your way, you're to trust in God that number one, that whatever you're going through, something better is going to come of it, even at the time if you don't recognize it. And, um, sorry. <laughs> Um, basically you're putting yourself into God's hands and you're trusting that he's going to take care of you to the very end. But you, you know, like I said, you don't sit around on your thumbs. You're, you're praying, you're doing devotions and or, uh, sacramentals or whatever, but you're putting your full faith and trust in him that he's he's going to take care of you just like a child what does with their parents and just from a personal viewpoint i got to say i'm sure you've heard saint paul write in the epistles that where there, where there is liberty, there is God. And 
that really resonate that that thought really resonates with me in this particular case is that once I well I'm still working on it obviously you know I've only gotten serious since last summer so you'll have to excuse me if sometimes I misspeak but basically um once I got the concept of just doing the best I can with what God gives me and to attempt to be pious and devout and not worry about, you know, not worry about what's going on the world around me. Um, Father Jean Paul de Cassade, the author of Divine Providence, or, um, uh, total abandonment to divine providence says in uh, a section of his book, he says, don't look back. Don't look forward. Stay in the here and now. Why this man is not a saint is beyond me, but he should be because I'm still, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not claiming to be an expert on this. If you want to hear an expert, I can't reckon, I cannot recommend enough Father uh, Father Bernard Utley's series on the spiritual life on True Restoration Radio. That guy's an expert. That guy is an expert. But basically. Let's just say that those of you within the sound of my voice hear this and say, oh, okay, that sounds good. Um, how do I do this? This is just my advice. You all been warned. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm nothing special. This would be my advice. The first thing you need to do, there are two things, actually. First, you need to take a spiritual inventory of yourself. There are Catholic spiritual inventory books that'll help you to see what personality type you are, what the qualities of that personality type are. And once you know these, it'll all, depending on the book, it'll also tell you uh, what you need to work on. You need to do that. And then secondly, and I can't stress this enough, you need to forget everything that you think you know and just, you, you, you just, you, you cannot be influenced. You cannot be influenced by, um, you know, your, what you think or what, you know, what you think you know or, um, what you've been through in the past, what you've learned in the past. And ultimately, because what that, what that all, what that means is, is because if you're still thinking, well, this can't be right. This, you know, I, I've read so-and-so somewhere. If you're thinking that, you're going to be shot in the foot before you even leave the starting gate. And I, 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 you know, I got to use myself as an example 
pers- personally because, you know, as I said in an earlier episodes, sometimes I use personal examples to, to illustrate a point because I have to. And in this case, I have to. Those of you who turned in, tuned in to the first two channel introductions, number one and number two, I tell how I went from being a stone cold heathen, pagan, absolutely despising and hating God, to a Protestant, then to a Vatican II sect member, and ultimately to a uh, set of accountists. Now, some of you might say, well, that just sounds like you're, you're, you're flighty. You, you have no fixed principles. Um, I can understand how on the superficial level that appears that way. But one of the conclusions I came to within the past few months is that this was God's providence. And I'm going to explain this as quickly and as briefly as I can because I know I tend to wander. Basically, when I came into Protestantism, I knew nothing about God and Jesus. I was totally raised ill-religious. I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I had like, you know, Christian foster dads and stuff, but basically they, you know, when they would go to church, I would just read the Old Testament for the war stories and not pay attention. You know, if, if it was get up, sit down, get up, sit down, I did it. But once, you know, once that was done, I went back to reading the war stories in the, in the Old Testament because, boy, that was fascinating. All right. So I do realize a lot of us come to Christianity in general with baggage. You were raised Lutheran. You were raised Jehovah's Witness. You were raised uh, Mormon. You were raised uh, Baptist. So you're carrying that baggage around. And, you know, let's be honest, a lot of us cannot, we can't, when we're taught something as little children, it's hard to shake. So that cultural baggage, we carry it with us throughout life. Well, I had no baggage of that sort. So I was able, um, when I read the Bible and I was following Luther's dictum, that I read the Bible as I thought the Holy Ghost was leading me. I didn't have the baggage of being taught a certain denomination. I was reading it, and by the way, I believe, I'm not exactly sure, but I believe the first time I read the New Testament was when I actually um, found God. Or as the Kurgan would put it, had my uh, road to Damascus moment. So I didn't have the baggage that comes with that. And so... So when I came to the conclusion that basically 
Protestantism was untenable, I was able to, um, you know, as I've already admitted, when I went to the Vatican II Church, basically I was in a situation where I was in a real strict fundamentalist Protestant sect and I felt like I can't do this. And the majority of Catholics I had known were pretty lax. So I figured, well, I'll be a Catholic. And then, you know, after I went through the uh, catechism courses, RCIA, I realized, well, no, if I'm going to be serious about this, this is actually going to be harder than being a Protestant, just in a different way. And But once again, I did reading. I did studying, just like I did before I became Protestant. And that led me to understand that the Catholicism being practiced by the Vatican II sect wasn't true Catholicism. I just couldn't articulate why. I just could see the obvious dysfunction that goes on in that church, or I should say sect, and I knew it was wrong. So eventually I got to set of a contism. The reason I'm bringing this all up is, is because throughout that period, that was God's divine providence looking out for me. You know, I don't know what he has in store for me. And that's another thing too. I want to caution, especially the set of against presumption that just because you have the right faith, you'll die in the right faith. If you listen to any of the uh, the priests and the hierarchy, um, Father Dolan, uh, I'm sorry, Bishop Dolan, Bishop Sanborn, and, and any of their priests, they'll tell you that a lot of people start out, you know, straight and narrow, and during their walk with God, they they get lost. So it's not just a sure a sure thing that just because you have the right the right doctrine that you're that you're going to make it to heaven. And by the way, um as if in case you couldn't tell, I have a special devotion to the mother Mary. And um another writer I want to recommend is um Father uh, St. Louis de Montfort. I'm sorry, St. Louis de Montfort. Because basically, his, his teaching can be boiled down to if you truly love and honor the Blessed Virgin Mary, she will help you get to heaven. Because she's going direct to Jesus as his mother. So anyway, guys. Um... That's just my two cents for what it's worth. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we cannot stay static if we truly wish to worship God in piety and devotion, or as he said, in spirit and in truth. We can't stay static. We've always got to be pushing forward, even if it is, if it's an inch. 
you know, an inch, maybe a week. But the second week we should be able to do two inches or whatever. We got to trust in his divine providence. So I hope that this was less of a confessional and more um, and more of me coming across as an actual human being with actual flaws and drawbacks and um, issues. <laughs> we all do. So, um, I just want to close with, I, I truly hope, I truly hope that I have been a good instrument for God's will and that you get something out of this. And I want to thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. Even, even if everything I just said, or in the past I have said, you think, oh, the guy's crazy. He's full of garbage. At least you listened. I appreciate that much. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you for spending your time with me. And I am praying for everybody. Everybody, no exceptions. As best as I can. And I just want to say, God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.